The first one is from Acts 9:26 to 30. Following Paul's conversion, he makes his way to Jerusalem. He finds that the Christians are wary of him. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. He, uh, when the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. The second reading is from Acts 11, verses 19 to 26. After the death of Stephen, Christians scattered, spreading the gospel. And for the first time, some Greeks became believers. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. The third reading is from Acts 13, verses 1 to 4. Later on, both Barnabas and Paul were members of the Antioch church. The Holy Spirit had a mission for them. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul 
for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Maggie, very much. Thank you, Christina. Let's, let's pray. Let's first of all just give thanks to God for those particular people across our lives who have encouraged us, who have believed in us, who have enabled us to find our feet in the Christian life. Those who have nurtured us, those who have mentored us, those to whom we owe a great debt. Father, this morning we thank you for those who, by your grace, have been instrumental in our own lives and growth and development. We give you thanks for them and we pray for all those, great, that great army across Christian history who have played the role of Barnabas in the lives of others. And we thank you for him and his story, asking we may learn from it this morning. Amen. It wasn't his real name, of course. Anyone know what his real name was? Ah. <laughs> I left out that reading so I could have my moment of superiority. <laughs> Anyone know? His real name was Joseph, and he came from Cyprus. Uh, his sort of Jewish background was as a, a Levite from the sort of priestly caste. Um, coming from Cyprus, he was doubtless Greek-speaking and uh, one of the uh, so-called Hellenists, the Greek-speaking Jews in, in the church at the very beginning. And uh, the apostles gave him a nickname. I like to think it was uh, a small indication of humor amongst the apostles. Uh, giving out nicknames sounds like a, uh, a good thing to do. Um, but they called him Barnabas, which just means a man of encouragement, the son of encouragement, the one who encourages. And that's uh, what I want to explore a little bit this, this morning. I think Barnabas' importance to us is that, unlike some of the heroes that we've been looking at and will look at uh, in these weeks uh, at St. Saviour's, Barnabas is in fact a model for all of us. Some of them are models of great leadership, models of responsibility, um, people to, whose qualities are to be respected and aspired to, but Barnabas is, as it were, one of us. And I don't think there is anything that we learn about Barnabas and his uh, character as a Christian, which in a sense can't also be uh, demonstrated by us. I think that makes it a really uh, valuable study. There's more to it, actually, than you might initially think. Um, Luke, writing the book of Acts, really has two men in mind that he wants to 
uh, tell the story of, men whose significance he wants to really highlight. He wants to talk about Peter, and then perhaps more, he wants to profile the, the ministry of Paul. And those two men have this in common, in Luke's understanding, that they are both key in the understanding that the gospel is not just a Jewish phenomenon, but is something that addresses all humanity equally, uh, people of whatever language or or culture or tongue. And uh, that's Luke's big picture. I don't think he has any agenda to introduce Barnabas to us, particularly. Uh, I don't think he's, you know, um, level two priority for Luke in telling his story. It's just that you can't keep him out of the story if you're going to tell the story. He is crucial to it at a number of places. Um, And I think that makes it really interesting in that Luke has no agenda around this man. Um, He is not profiling him in a particular way. He is just saying, actually, I can't tell this story without including this man's contribution at uh, at various points. So I I think it's a a really revealing um, little uh, aspect of, of the book of Acts. He's extraordinarily important in in the book of Acts. We could say this, that of course the gospel would have made its way to Rome and to the ends of the earth whether or not Barnabas had been a member of of the church. But the particular story that we have and the particular story in the book of Acts could not have unfolded as it did without this man. He is absolutely instrumental in the way the story unfolds. It's not that in any way the uh, spread of the gospel was dependent on him. It's not dependent on him or us in that decisive way at all. But we shape the story, and Barnabas certainly shaped the story. He is the glue holding things together. He leads by example. He is the reconciler, the bridge builder, the connector, the team builder, the nurturer of others. He's the mentor. He's always offering people a second chance. That's what he brings to the story. And as I've said, I believe he is a, just a fantastic role model for all of us who would count ourselves to be foot soldiers in the army. Those of us who just reckon that we are doing our best and pushing ahead and seeking to be faithful to Jesus in the place and the life to which he's called us. He's one of us. Let me just highlight some of these places uh, in, in Acts where Barnabas' character is, is illustrated. And uh, I invite you to revisit them in your own time. Uh, The first place he appears, in fact we didn't read, and this is actually the place where Barnabas is described as the encourager, and we're introduced to him as Joseph from from Cyprus. And that's the beginning of the story, a rather uh, troubling story really, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, we normally call it, um, where it's to meet the needs of the Jerusalem church, people brought property and land, they sold it and they brought the the proceeds to the apostles um, for the use of those in need in the church, for the poor in particular. And Barnabas' role in this story is interesting in that he appears to lead the way. Uh, There were others who did it. Acts, um, Luke just actually mentions by name that it was Barnabas who stepped up to the plate and did it and demonstrated how it should be done. 
At the heart of that story, which you probably know quite well, of Ananias and Sapphira, is giving with mixed motives, is giving for your own glory rather than simply uh, out of generosity and in obedience to, to the Lord's invitation. And Barnabas is held up there as an example of how to do it. He brings the prophets uh, from the sale of some land he had, and uh, he lays it at the apostles' feet and demonstrates simplicity, generosity, and integrity of mind in, in how he does it. By contrast with the self-seeking, the seeking praise, the seeking respect and dignity uh, that Ananias and Sapphira uh, present in the, in, the, in the story. So the first time we're introduced to Barnabas, he is an example of how to do it, how to do something well. It's not so much what he does in bringing the sale of his land, Ananias and Sapphira did that as well. It's how he did it, with the sincerity of heart and with the sincerity of purpose. He shows the way by example. God loves a cheerful giver, and Barnabas demonstrates that in this, in this passage. The second episode I just want to bring briefly uh, before you is the one we, we read about, and it's where Barnabas and Paul get connected. Um, you know the story, most probably, of Paul's conversion in Damascus uh, uh, and how he was mentored there, if you like, by another Ananias, totally different man, um, who uh, brought him to faith in Jesus and provided his initial instruction. And uh, Paul began to, in, uh, doubtless, in a stumbling way initially, to begin to tell his testimony of coming to faith in Jesus. And he began to share that in Damascus in a way that stirred up opposition and enmity. And so he flees from there and he comes to Jerusalem. The timing on this is a little bit complicated. Um, references to this uh, episode are in the letter to the Galatians as well. It's a little bit difficult to fit them together neatly, but, uh, but they basically confirm each other. He makes his way to Jerusalem, and not surprisingly, everyone's a little bit, aha, what's going on here? Do we trust this man? Is this his latest trick? Is this uh, something that we can believe? Is this a real conversion to Jesus? Uh, do we need to keep this man on at arm's reach? He wasn't well received in Jerusalem. Barnabas takes him under his wing. Barnabas recognizes a new believer. Barnabas recognizes that he may not have all his ducks in a row. Barnabas recognizes that maybe not everything is straight and not everything is worked out yet, but he recognizes the real thing when he sees it, and he takes Paul and introduces him to the apostles and to the church in Jerusalem. And on his behalf, tells his testimony. I like that touch. He didn't say, well, Paul, here you are, tell your story. He says, let me tell you what God's done for this man. And he steps up and gives Paul's testimony on his behalf. And in that way, vouches for him, speaks for him, and introduces him. And that opened the way. And Paul, uh, Saul, as he's still called in the story at that point, is received by the, the church in Jerusalem and begins to have the liberty to share his testimony and share his understanding of who Christ is. Barnabas knew what it was, to, the importance of believing in new believers. 
hearing them, looking for the signs of God's grace within them and honoring it, fanning it into flame, introducing them into the fellowship, making sure they belong. We see it uh, in a slightly different form a bit later on um, with the uh, Paul and Barnabas on one of their missionary uh, journeys take with them a young man called John Mark, uh, almost certainly the author of our Gospel of Mark. And for whatever reason, we're not really told, John Mark leaves them in mid-journey. Later on, uh, he wants to rejoin the mission. And Paul says, not on your life. This man's let us down. We're not going, we don't need his, him slowing us down on this mission. Barnabas says, actually, we need to give this man a second chance. We need to take him with us. And actually, that led to a split between Paul and Barnabas, and they went their different ways. The rights or wrongs of that, we could discuss. But I think what is really interesting is that it's Barnabas who looked for the seed of faith, the seed of God's grace in John Mark's life and was willing to give the man a second chance. Do you see the picture of who Barnabas is that emerges? It's consistent through all the references here in Acts. He's the one who leads by example. He's the man who just demonstrates the integrity and sincerity of his own life. He's the one who recognizes the grace of God in others and is willing to endorse it, affirm it, um, and encourage people to find their, their place in the Christian community. And as we prayed at the beginning, we, we are all here, actually. We are all here because somebody did that for us. If somebody had not done that for us, most probably we wouldn't be here. The man who did that for me many years ago was a crusader leader called Eddie Leroy. And uh, he wasn't actually a leader in my crusader group in Bristol. He was a leader in a different group. But somewhere along the line, he spotted me and he invested in me. And I'm grateful for that. Let's move on. The church in Antioch was an extraordinary place. It's the place where the real decisive break happened, where the church moved in an irrevocable way beyond the Jewish community to uh, the Roman and Greek society around. And it was following the death of Stephen that some unnamed disciples went to Antioch and began to share the gospel with genuine Greek people there, not people with a Jewish background. And a new kind of community came together that included people who had no Jewish background at all. A really crucial moment that set the Christian church uh, off in a new direction, a really crucial direction. The Jerusalem conservatives started huffing and puffing, um, not quite sure what to make of this. They'd um, endorsed Peter's meeting with Cornelius uh, as, a, as a Gentile, as a Roman. Um, they'd accepted that God was at work in this man's life, so they'd, they'd moved in that direction. They'd accepted Cornelius and it accepted Peter's testimony. But this was far away. This was in Antioch. They had no control over it. They weren't sure what was going on. So there was a lot of huffing and puffing back in Jerusalem. But they knew who to call for. They knew who was needed at this point. They needed Barnabas. And they sent him to have a look at it. They sent him to go and assess it and to report back to Jerusalem, to carry out a review and produce a report and so Barnabas, interest, really interesting that he was selected. 
uh, was sent to Antioch to carry out uh, a review of this new kind of Christian community that was happening there. Luke's wording here is really interesting and really important. When he saw the evidence of the grace of God. That phrase, the grace of God, actually comes up two or three times in the, in the Barnabas stories. It seems to be something that was just key to how Barnabas operated. He had a nose, he had an eye, he, he had a sense of when the grace of God was working in someone's life and he was able to identify it and affirm it. And that's what happened in Antioch. A strange new community, one that was really putting the wind up, the Christians back in Jerusalem, but he recognized at its heart that the grace of God was at work. People who were way outside uh, God's kingdom, way outside uh, the whole Jewish world and its understanding of God, were nonetheless being touched by the Spirit of God and touched by God's grace. His response... He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. There's the encourager back at work. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. It's very easy when we see something of God's grace happening in another context to be almost resentful. Why is it not happening with us? Why is it happening there and not with us? It's quite easy, in fact, not to bless and not to affirm Uh, the work of God in in another place. Barnabas has a a deep sincerity of heart that enables him to see the grace of God in Paul, this guy who'd been persecuting the church, and now in Antioch with people who were way outside the, the, the Jewish circle and whose previous ways of life, and maybe their continuing ways of life, were still um, uh, outside that, that world. He saw the evidence of the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord. That's that's the stuff we should be doing. That's the stuff all of us should be doing. That's not just the stuff of leaders or whoever. That's what every Christian person should be doing. Seeking under God to have those eyes and ears to see when the grace of God is at work and to rejoice in it, to encourage it, and to encourage people to be faithful to the Lord. It's not rocket science. It's not complicated. It's what we should all be doing and can all be doing. We may have to set aside a little resentment and a little envy in order to do it well. Barnabas went further. He saw that this new church was actually in a vulnerable position, in a a vulnerable situation with this very mixed group of people from uh, different parts of of the Roman Empire coming together, united by their faith in Jesus. They needed teaching. They needed teaching by someone who would understand their journey, by someone who would get it and be able to really guide them. Someone who was also rooted in the Jewish scriptures because that was uh, what being taught and nurtured at that point in Christian history really meant. It meant getting deep into the prophecies of the Old Testament and recognizing how they pointed to Jesus. And so he knew what he had to do. He knew the man. He's got up and he went to Tarsus, not a vast journey, but still a considerable journey in, uh, in Turkey, to find Paul and to bring him back. He knew what needed to be done and he got on with it. He brought him back. He scrapped his own program. We don't actually know 
whether the report that the Jerusalem elders wanted ever arrived. It's interesting that he didn't say, well, actually, first of all, I must go back to Jerusalem and tell them this is all okay. Um, He actually went and got Saul instead. He knew how to trust and use other people's gifts, how to get them started. This is a two-way thing. He knows that the Antioch Christians need Paul. He's the man who understands their world and understands what's happening for them. But actually, Paul needs the church in Antioch as well if he is to develop. If he is to begin to develop as a teacher and a preacher and evangelist, Paul needs Antioch as well. Here's the networker, the encourager, the bridge builder, Barnabas saying, I know what you need and I know what Saul needs. We need to get you together. And the word together is a really important one in the Barnabas stories. Um, For a year, Paul and Barnabas taught the church in Antioch. Wouldn't you like to have been a fly on the wall? Goodness me, what a year that would have been. I wonder what they talked about. It would doubtless have been uh, deep into the Old Testament prophecies, but I wonder what they talked about, about Greek culture, about being a disciple in the, in, in the context of the Roman Empire. It would have been a fascinating world to be part of. This is our work. This is what needs to happen in the Church of God all the time. This is what we can play our part in, making these connections, believing in people, believing in the grace of God working in people, recognizing that people need to be mentored and encouraged, given opportunity. Saul had no background at this point. This was a really important opening for him, to spend a year teaching a church. What did Paul learn during that year? Colossal, you can imagine. Barnabas well knows how important it is to do things together. And the final story we read there was about the beginning of the, uh, uh, we call it Paul's first missionary journey. How unfair that is to Barnabas. It's actually consistently called, uh, they're called Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul. And it's Barnabas' missionary journey in a sense. They do it together is the important thing. As the church in Antioch was praying, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, what is happening amongst you here the inclusion of uh, people who are outside the Jewish heritage, the people who are Greek and Roman in background. We can't keep this to ourselves. We need to go to the places where that is the everyday situation. And so they set aside Barnabas and Paul to do it together and to go to Turkey. And the next couple of chapters describe uh, the planting of churches in Turkey that were, in a sense, replicas of the church in Antioch. And then we read that they came back together and they reported together. So here's Barnabas again, the man who knows how to mentor, who knows how to connect, who knows how to bring people together, knows how to encourage them, knows how important it is to give opportunity to people who have little experience so they can grow on the job. All of this we see in how Barnabas operates And he's happy to set off on a pioneering missionary journey with a man who's really just a novice. This is Barnabas. One final thing. There's a story, one more Barnabas story left. It's uh, in Acts chapter 15. Um, At the heart of the Barnabas story is this 
radical shift in the Christian church away from simply working amongst uh, people who are Jewish by background and faith and origin to uh, a faith that is really inclusive of everybody and inclusive of all the different cultures and groups of the Mediterranean world and beyond. In the end, this was bound to blow up. In the end, this was bound to be, uh, there was bound to be an explosion. In the end, the church in Jerusalem was bound to say, hold on, let's look at this. And that's what happened. The more conservative elements in Jerusalem, they sent some of their other members to Antioch to see what was going on. They tried to persuade this new church there that uh, actually the Jewish ways were more important than they'd been taught and that the, the law and other customs still needed to be kept. And so there was, there was a lot of discomfort and a lot of anguish around this. How do we include the new whilst being faithful to the old? How do the new people respect the old? How do the old welcome the new? All that kind of thing. And in the end, it had to be addressed. It had been addressed in part by uh, when Peter reported about his encounter with Cornelius. But what was really uh, explosive was what had happened in Antioch and what had happened from there across Turkey. The, the elders in Jerusalem knew that all across Turkey, churches were being planted that, were, had the same, that had the Barnabas, Paul, and Antioch DNA written into them. They knew that was happening. And so the event that we call the Council of Jerusalem took place, and the church in Antioch sent Barnabas and Paul, who else, to come to Jerusalem to report on what was happening. And the interesting thing here, again, uh, it sounds, just feels to me to be utterly authentic. It's Barnabas who takes the lead. It's Barnabas who says, actually, I'm the man responsible here. Um, Saul is the man who will be renowned. Barnabas will be nearly forgotten in Christian tradition. But on this occasion, Barnabas knows his role. His role is to take responsibility for what needs to be said. He's the man who was originally sent to Antioch. He's taking responsibility for what happened there. And at the Council of Jerusalem, he tells the story. And out of that comes uh, the letter to all the churches, which confirmed this really crucial, life-giving, utterly decisive decision of the early Christian community that the gospel of Jesus Christ was for everyone. Thank you, Barnabas. Amen. Let's give ourselves just a couple of minutes. I, I, I love this story. I love the, the way it just comes out of the account in Acts. Inevitably, there's no other way to tell the story than to allow uh, Barnabas to play his part. He's not a giant, perhaps, or maybe he was. But I think the key thing for us is that it's a way of life. It's a, a mindset it's a spiritual orientation which actually is entirely open to all of us. There is nothing about the story I've told really that we can't in our own ways give life to. Let's give ourselves a couple of moments of quiet for prayer and to hear the word of God into our own lives.
Father, I pray for myself and I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning. Barnabas was just his nickname. It can be our nickname too. The name Barnabas can belong to anybody if we are the encourager, the networker, the mentor, the affirmer, the builder up of others. Father, bless us all, everyone, I pray. Help us in our daily lives to reflect something more of the witness and life of this remarkable man. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn is 430, Forth in thy name, O Lord, I go.